everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff, joining me from the Pacific Northwest. And the hot, it's hot up there, and it's not just the temperature. It is my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Hey, just happy to be here. Really enjoying baseball right now. I'm having a lot of fun. Why is that? I don't understand. Well, you know, my my Mariners are playing some pretty decent baseball right now. And uh, someone asked me yesterday, is, is this how baseball is supposed to feel? And I said, well, how would I know? Yeah, I was going to say, I, well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a Mariners fan. Yeah, a lot of, uh, wow, the uh, the Mariners are really, uh, really smoking right now. Well, bad time for the All-Star break. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're well, like, can killer, we skip I it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So well, I'm sure we'll talk some Mariners here. Uh, this is our special all-star episode. I think we did one one or two years ago, but we got some new all-star stuff we want to talk about. But before we do that, as always, we got to get loose. We're old, so we got to get loose. So let's get into our BP segment. So, Mark, first of all, I did it. Last week... Did- we talked about Tracy Morgan portraying Jermaine Allensworth yes, for some that's reason. That's right. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah. So we could not figure it out. I tracked down the episode. Yep. Tracy Morgan is there. I mean, obviously, he's Jermaine Allensworth. Who else would he play? Right. Uh, I think he might be the most, uh, in, in, if, if we're talking about like in baseball card terms, Jermaine Allensworth might be the most common MLBer to ever be portrayed in a Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> yes. To set this up, Tim Meadows had a reoccurring skit in 1997. It was called Perspectives, and uh, it is seen in that much-coveted 4:52 a.m. on Sunday morning time slot. It's probably yeah. be when we would be on a. a you know, we've been trying to get that slot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're stuck at the 2:22. Yes. Uh, AM. But uh, 1997, if you are aware of baseball history, that would have been the 50th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in baseball. Morgan is portraying Allensworth here. He's the straight man in this scene. I can't say there were a whole lot of highlights in this skit, but uh, here are a couple. I'm your host, Lionel Osborne. We have a very special guest on our show today. He is baseball rookie Jermaine Allensworth. And he's here to talk about the 50th anniversary celebration of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. So what was it like to play with a great outfielder like Jackie Robinson? <laughs> uh, I never played with Jackie Robinson. I, he died before I was even born. Now, I understand that uh, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. Were there any black ball players in the major leagues before Jackie Robinson? Oh, uh, he was the first. That's why we say he broke the color barrier. So since Jackie Robinson, have there been any other ball players to break the color barrier? No, you can only break the barrier once, Lino. I mean, once the barrier's been broken, it's no longer a barrier. So when Jackie Robinson was finally allowed to play, this must have been a really happy experience for him. Actually, no, it wasn't, Lino. I mean, every day that Jackie stepped out onto the field, I mean, he was called racist names, and uh, he had things thrown at him while he was out on the field, and some fans even spit on him. Baseball fever, catch it. Well, that was funny. One of my favorite parts of this uh, this skit is that Tracy Morgan cannot say the word Pittsburgh. (laughs) Jermaine Allensworth is on the Pittsburgh Pirates. He calls it Pittsburgh. That, to me, was one of the funniest parts of the skit. But here's the thing. This show debuted on April 12th, 1997. Rob Lowe was the host, and the Spice Girls were the musical guests. So I no doubt actually did see this episode. 
I, I <laughs> don't sure. I don't know if I was in my ginger or baby spice phase, but I no doubt did watch this for sure. So oh boy. Allensworth showed up at the ballpark the next day and had no idea what had taken place. He did not watch the show. So as he came in for the day, everybody was congratulating him on being on Saturday Night Live the night before. And he had no idea because he did not see it. He later found out that one of the writers on Saturday Night Live was a big Pirates fan and was excited about this new young center fielder that was coming up for his favorite team. So he immortalized him in the skit. Now, I took a look at the Bucks roster in 1997, and if I'm being honest, the writers didn't really have a big choice of African-American players on the Bucks to choose from that year in terms of good players. Besides Allensworth, there was Kevin Young, Al Martin, who I still swear is Frank Thomas. He looks just like him, minus, you know, <laughs> the talent. Uh, Sean Dunstan was on this team, but not until late in the season after a trade. But I said I had to find out about the skit, so I did. I accomplished my one thing for this week. Saw this. I love this. Teoscar Hernandez of the Blue Jays. This was a tweet uh, from one of the writers that covers the Blue Jays. Uh, Teoscar has been wearing two-and-ones lately. Oh, jeez. Come on. Not cool. But he just ordered some actual stirrups to wear in games. So we're we're making a difference, team. Keep it up. That's right. That's right. I don't know if you saw this uh, last week, Mark. Uh, I know we've talked about it. I don't know if you watched the ceremony or not. Uh, Keith Hernandez had his jersey retired by the Mets, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Waiting for the uh, Hall of Fame to call. We talked about Dave Parker a week or so ago. And, you know, Parker was one of the best players in the game for a good bit. And he's I'm kind of uh, coming into the Dave Parker realm like I did the, the Keith Hernandez. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Both of these players are seemingly not being invited into the hall because of their involvement in the Pittsburgh drug trials. Sure. But, you know, Tim Raines was was caught up in that. He's in the Hall of Fame. Yvonne Rodriguez has not admitted, but it is a well-known fact that he did steroids. He's in. There are other players that no doubtedly did steroids and are in. But I'm I'm on the Dave Parker. I'm putting him in the category of Keith Hernandez. They need to be in the Hall of Fame. There you have it, folks. And and the crusade will begin now. Yeah, and if and if we really get behind it, you know that it's going to be hard to. Oh yeah, we're huge. Hard for the Hall of Fame not <laughs> to take it serious. Fun to pretend, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. All right, so let's get into our debut segment. This show is debuting on July 19th, and oh doggy, have we got a group of players this week. First of all, 19, it's, I wrote down 1987. Clearly, Honus Wagner did not make his debut in 1987. Yeah, I think he only played up until 86. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess that I meant to, uh, to, to write 1887. Honus Wagner made oh, his debut. Oh, that's right. So Honus Wagner, obviously, probably the most famous baseball card of all time. Also famously against integrating the game of baseball. So Honus Wagner, you can... Stick it. That's all I'm going to say. I We're a baseball history podcast. I'm not going to talk about Honus Wagner because he was kind of a racist. Uh, 1936, Bob Feller made his debut. Rapid Robert. Bob Feller, yeah. Yeah, the heater from Van Meter, which is another just fantastic nickname. Uh, debuted in the league at age 17. Spent wow. three years in the military in the prime of his career. 
He led the league in wins the three previous seasons before going into the military, and even missing those three seasons, still won 266 games. He also led the league seven times in strikeouts. He won the wow. pitching triple crown in 1940, a World Series in 48, and was an eight-time All-Star. Uh, let's see, 1961, Marshall made his debut. Oh, they're great. This is my dad's favorite pitcher of all time. Yeah, 1960, Candlestick Park. He threw a complete game shutout in his debut, struck out 12 batters, walked one, and allowed only one hit. Wow. In his debut, that hit was by That's pretty good. <laughs> Clay Dalrymple. Okay. He was a pinch hitter that came up and broke up the no-hitter with two outs in the eighth inning. Wow. So close. But, yeah, Juan Marshall. Remember the the sixty two Giants that won the World Series. I mean, just a a, a great a great team. Uh, Nineteen sixty four, Louis Tiant made his debut, no doubt with his back towards us. Yes. Uh, Nineteen eighty two, Tony Gwen made his debut. I mean, this is just a this is a heck of a roster here of, of people that made their debut, and I just, I don't think that we have had a day where as many good players made their debut in one day as we did today. Yeah, that's quite an all-star lineup right there. So it was a good uh, to do in the all-star episode. Yeah, definitely. All all of them, uh, except for Honus Wagner, played in all-star games because there wasn't an all-star. And we'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, let's first, let's let the grounds crew come out and do their stuff. They are uh, putting down the special all-star logos in the, in, the, in the grass here in foul territory today. Because it is time for uh, the all-star spectacular once again. So we've, uh, we've talked about the all-star game plenty of times uh, as we've come up to the all-star break. But I wanted to talk about, I want to talk about all-star uniforms, which is ridiculous these days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is, I mean, we've covered this before. This is one of my boomer takes is that I just, I love home whites, road grays, and I don't like these special all star uniforms. The, oh my gosh, the future and the celebrity uniforms this year were just, the, you know, the uniforms where you, you like uh, here in the Bay Area, where people, oh, I like the Giants and the A's, and they get those stupid uniforms that are half Giants and half A's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the what the Futures uniforms look like. They were, one was white, one half of it was white, and the other half was orange. And then oh, come on. The, the American League was white and blue, and it's just atrocious, but that's me. But uh, let's get to some different uniform talk here. So first of all, you know, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of our listeners probably already know the story, but in 1984, the All-Star game, the Blue Jays had Damasio Garcia was their selection. Uh, the only player to make the team that, that year from, from Toronto. So he gets invited and he is allowed to choose to bring a guest with him. So he chooses, I guess he wasn't married, uh, chooses a teammate of his, fellow Dominican countryman, Alfredo Griffin comes with him the game's being played in candlestick park in san francisco 6 30 in the evening the night before joe altabelli who was the uh, manager of the american league team that year learns that both alan trammell and robin yount or yunt if you're one person in particular yes are not going to be able to play in the game so there's two i mean two hall of fame middle infielders they're like yeah we can't go skip so there's they're they're out cal ripken is starting 
at uh, shortstop. Cal Ripken Jr., I guess I should say. You know, I'm good bet senior. Yes. Uh, well, Joe finds out that Griffin is in town. And uh, so he calls up and says, hey, congrats on being named to the American League All-Star team. (laughs) (laughs) You really, you worked hard for this. Uh, Alfredo played in the field, but did not get a chance to hit as he was lifted for Don Mattingly in the ninth. Now, my question here is you're holding Donnie baseball until the ninth inning? Yeah, really? What's up with that? If you needed a middle infielder, Mattingly was the last left-handed player to play second base. So he could have filled in on the infield. I'm just That's saying. True. Yeah. Uh, so beyond being able to call himself an all-star, Alfredo also got a $25,000 bonus for being an all-star because that was kind of a boilerplate addition in contracts back then. I think it still is today, but it's a lot more than $25,000. But uh, Alfredo also won three World Series rings as a player, so... No shade there for Alfredo Griffin. That's right. The next year, 1985, we got some great all-star, all-star stories when Lou Whitaker drove himself to the airport to fly to Minnesota for the All-Star game. Not something you hear much of anymore. No. Maybe the reason you don't hear about players having to drive themselves to the airport for the All-Star game anymore is because when Lou did it, he left both his jersey and his glove in his car. Oh, Okay, not a big deal, right? Short flight from Detroit to Minneapolis. So he makes a call. His equipment, they get it, they box it up, they put it on a plane. Where they ended up, I don't know, but it was not at the Metrodome in Minnesota. <laughs> so, so Lou, a starter in the game, mind you. He's a starter, had to scramble. He found a vendor in the stadium that was selling a replica Tigers, like, jersey. It's not a jersey. You can see, like, right through it. It's really cheap. <laughs> He puts a, it's got the D on the front at least, and it's white, so it's their home jersey. They're in the AL city. Nothing on the back though, so a little work with a black Sharpie, and uh, he puts a number one on the back. He borrows a glove from Ripken, wore a Cleveland batting helmet for his first two at bats. And if you look carefully in the pictures, you can see his stirrups are actually twin stirrups because they have the TC logo on them. I don't know. Wow. Who he, he obviously got pants from somebody, but just, <laughs> just completely uh, a hacked jersey. That that jersey you would think might that that jersey might be in the Hall of Fame. You'd be wrong. It is in the Smithsonian, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So <laughs> you have to go a little bit further east to see that one. Uh, I love these stories about players having to wear other teams' equipment in the All Star Game. Last week we were talking about Dave Parker. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I mentioned his all-star helmet swap. His first at-bat, he had a black... He he was wearing the the Pirates uniform at that point where both his uh, uh, jersey and his pants were black. And so his first at-bat, he's wearing a Padres lid, which looked okay. A little strange because it was brown. But his second at-bat, he wore a Reds helmet, which looked really strange with the (laughs) all-black (laughs) And then a red helmet. All right, so another thing in 1995 with your boy, Nolan Ryan. So, 85, we just talked about it. This is in Minnesota. So, this is is an American League ballpark. So, I don't understand this because they would have been using the DH, no? Uh, They should have been. Yeah, I I don't understand. But somehow, Nolan Ryan is at the plate. So, he's wearing a Padres helmet with his Astros uniform. 
So oh, nice. Yeah, that's a that's a it's a good look for Nolan. A lot of these stories, players wearing different batting helmets are pitchers, as you can expect. American League pitchers, for the most part, they don't even have their own batting helmet. And you know, just all of a sudden they're told to grab a bat. They don't bring their own, obviously. Charles Nagy of Cleveland put on a Rangers lid in 1992. Dave Steve and Dennis Eckersley, likewise, have been caught having to borrow helmets when they get sent to the plate. Carlton Fisk, though, this is a guy that should have a whole bunch of them because he was a catcher. Sure. Uh, his first All-Star game appearance, he wore a Brewer's helmet, which is kind of cool because it was that ball and glove logo. So right. we'll let that slide. That's actually a good look. Uh, 1993, Marquise Grissom of the Expos forgot his jersey. So I'm assuming that he left it in his car at the airport as well. Yes, must have been. He borrowed some pants from Mark Grace, a Padres workout jersey from Tony Gwynn. And, uh, it, you know, Tony Gwynn in 93, he wasn't his skinny version. He wasn't his larger model yet, but he was kind of in between. But Marquise was not a large man. No. So that had to be kind of bulky on a 5'9", 190 pound Marquise Grissom. But the topper was he bought an Expos hat from a vendor that was the epitome of a souvenir hat. It was all blue, just in script written across it is the word Expos. Not an Expos logo, just the word Expos. So not not the greatest look. This was just for the workout day. Uh, I couldn't find any pictures of it during the game, so I have to assume his jersey probably got there before the actual game but the day before he was not looking so fly why why wouldn't he just go up into the concessions area and get one of those uh, ice cream sundae in a in a batting helmet <laughs> well no you got to get the nachos because the sundae are the little helmets the nachos are the bigger well, ones do you think anybody would really notice if he put that little helmet and <laughs> he could look like bake mcbride <laughs> uh, lee smith who inexplicably batted in the 87 All-Star Game, despite having only two at-bats the entire season. But he did get to wear one of those cool tricolored Expos helmets that went perfectly with his away jersey with the Cubs because they wore those all-blue pullovers that year. So that was a good one. Uh, While we're talking about that, obviously MLB throws as many different jerseys and hats out there as they can as a money grab. But I really miss seeing players in their real team uniforms in the game. Back in the 70s and 80s, some of those team pictures looked like an Andy Warhol painting because there were so many different solid colored, uh, <laughs> you know, tops and everybody wore their own their own ones to the game, which was really a good look. Uh, yeah. Especially in 75, the A's had so many players on the all-star team. First of all, they had seven total players there, five starters, but they had so many different uniform color combinations. They all wore different combos, which really made for an interesting look. Wow. No two A's players from that year had the same uniform on. Wow. Uh, that happened a lot in the 70s, of course. Uh, but this leads me into another all-star topic. I've expressed my love for the A's wearing white shoes. And, you know, they were the only team that was allowed to wear white shoes for a while until MLB said, hey, we're going to get rid of that rule that says you have to your shoes have to be 80 percent of your team's colors. I'm kind of over it now. I'm, I'm I'm OK with it. But it used to be a thing that players wore white shoes no matter what team they played for in the all-star game which I didn't know about this. 
but you can go through and find pictures and most of the players are all wearing white shoes in the all-star game. It was kind of like a treat. (laughs) So uh, in the eighties, it was pretty cool. Great picture. 1979, Reggie Jackson wearing white shoes. But in 1979, Reggie Jackson, again, must have driven himself to the airport, forgot his Yankee uniform. So first of all, I want to say that equipment managers in the 70s and 80s must have been the easiest job in the world because I don't know what they were doing. They were kind of like offensive linemen of baseball. You only hear about them when they've done something wrong, like not send a jersey to an all-star game. Well, Reggie didn't grab a Yankee jersey from a vendor. What he did, this this was a game, the game that was in the kingdom. You were at this game, Mark. He yes. just grabbed a spare Mariner's jersey and <laughs> took the team picture in a Mariner's jersey. <laughs> Wait a minute. So he not only played for the Mariners pretend and the angels pretend in the movies, you know, did Reggie, did Reggie ever like take a picture of him wearing his regular uniform? Well, Reggie did play for the angels for for real, but he played played in the the movie version. Yes. I understand that, but he was an actual angel at one point. Everyone was an angel or a Mariner at some point. Well, yeah, I think the Mariners are definitely the, are are we going to have to add the, if you're an angel at the end of your, your career? No, we don't have to add that. Not yet. Not yet. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh, another anecdote I found that was funny from the 1980 All-Star Game, Ken Griffey Sr. was named MVP of that game. And he received from Willie Stargell a Stargell star that he wore proudly on his hat after that nice. in the post-game interviews. So all these stories are, are pretty modern, 70s, 80s, 90s. That might make you think that these kind of All-Star mismatches were a modern problem, but no. Back in 1911, and this is 22 years before the first official All-Star game, but a group of players played a game to benefit Hall of Famer Addie Joss's wife after he had recently passed. I think we've talked about this game before. Ty Cobb was there, but his jersey was not. Uh (laughs) Again, he must have have driven himself to the train station. That's it. Uh, So he ended up playing in a Cleveland Naps uniform. In this uh, in this all star quote unquote game, but no pictures that I could find. Gotcha. Uh, but of course, my favorite part of all star games is not the jerseys. It's not people wearing other jerseys. Uh, it's getting to see all of the team mascots in one spot. That is Boy, my isn't favorite that, part. Isn't that the most exciting thing I in just, the world? I love that. You know, I love the team mascots. Oh, you you will live and die for mascots. <laughs> All right. So that is it. Uh, You know, I know a lot of our listeners listen to these episodes early Tuesday. So you have the all-star game to look forward to. Uh, Hopefully the home run derby was a success the night before. I am going to I'm going to be rooting for Pete Alonso again. I want to I want a three time back to back. Yeah, shoot. Well, I think, you know, who I'm going to be rooting for. Uh, Pujols. Mm, Good guess. But no, I'm thinking Julio. Ah, there you go. I think I think Julio's got a shot, but you know, it, people when they do their first one, I think they they tend to not have as as much success. You kind of sure. have to have one under your belt, but I, I think so too. Yeah, I agree. We'll we'll see. All right, so that's going to do it for our main part of the show, Mark. It is time that we head into what is now my favorite segment of the show. It's time for Wax Pack Series. Wax Pack Hero. Now, 
I say my favorite segment of the show now because currently I'm up six to three. I'm on a hot streak. I'm, I'm struggling here. Yeah, and for somebody that is just absolutely awful at this game, I'm very excited to be leading against the... You're the you're already the Pete Alonzo of Wax Packs heroes. <laughs> uh, so let's get into it. We're going to open up a couple of packs of baseball cards from the Junk Wax era. We're going to take the uh, baseball reference war of that year for each player. We'll total them up. We've got a couple of extra qualifiers that can add or subtract to our score. Anything on a player's face, glasses, mustache, eye black, uh, rogue sunflower seed, plus ten, uh, tenth of a point of war. If they're re wearing real stirrups, you get an extra tenth of a point, but if you are wearing two-in-ones, we're gonna minus a tenth of a point. Couple of other things that'll get you a tenth of a point of war, sweatbands with your caricature or jersey number on them. Any of your final three seasons were played in Seattle, you're gonna get a tenth of a point of war for each of those. If your batting helmet has two flaps or you are batting with uh, no batting gloves, extra tenth of a point of war. If you won an award that year, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, All-Star, Gold Glove, half a point of war for each of those. If there is a Hall of Famer on the card, whether it's their card or not, you get a whole point of war. If there is a Ricky Henderson card pulled, I automatically get five points of war regardless of who pulls it. And if there is a Nolan Ryan mark, you get the five points for all... We're also each going to pick a team, and if the player is from that team, we are going to get a half a point of war. Mark, what team do you want today? Boy, that's a good question. I mean, you know what? We've been talking about the great Juan Marshall, and I think I'm going to go with the Giants. All right. Well, I'm gonna, I'll go with the Dodgers then. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do the rivalry thing, and plus, you know, the all-star games in L.A. Marshall's nickname, by the way? We didn't say it. The Dominican Dandy. The Dominican Dandy. Yeah, they had some good nicknames because they had Willie yeah. Mays. They had Real Marshall. Ones. They had Orlando Cepeda, who was the baby bull or cha-cha. Yeah. Both he great. He said Mays. He was the say hey kid. Yeah. And we, uh, I mean, you had 8,000 Aloos on the team. You had <laughs> Willie McCovey, who was Slick, Stretch. There you go. I guess it was Stretch, not not Slick. Yeah, Big, Stretch. The original Big Mac. Uh, yeah, just some some great name, nicknames. Yeah, good stuff. All right. So uh, you've got the Giants. I've got the Dodgers. Uh, we're going to do a little mixed one today. We They're, they're both Don Russ, which I think Don Russ is kind of the least, I don't know, for me, it's my least favorite brand of cards, but uh, they're also very cheap to get. So <laughs> uh, so we've got a 89 and a 90 Don Russ pack. Which one would you like? I'm going to give you the option. I got to go with the 89 Don Russ. All right. So you're going to go with the 89. I'm going to have you go first and uh, we'll go ahead and open this up. Looking for that Griffey rookie. Yep. Uh, let's see. Who's our diamond uh, king here? Our, not our diamond king, but our... Oh, it looks like it's uh, Warren Spawn. All right. Oh, yes. uh, let's see. There are 15 cards in this pack, so you're going to have to lose five. You want to lose the top or the bottom five? Lose the top five. All right. So you're going to lose Ozzy Virgil, uh, Steve Balboni. Oh, man. <laughs> Terry Kennedy, Steve Sachs, and Todd Worrell. Todd, we are the Worrell. Oh, very um, nice. Yeah, uh, I'm not that upset about those. No, I mean, Balboni, it just depends on what year, but he was a Mariner here, so probably not much. <laughs> All right, well, you're going to like your first card because right. it's uh, one of my favorite players. Could have stayed healthy. Would have been a Hall of Famer. Eric Davis with the Reds. Oh, absolutely. Eric the Red. You think he's got any Viking blood in him? I don't know. Eh, you never know, I guess. Not sure. Uh, Eric Davis. Let's see. 17 years in the big leagues. 
and about half of them he played over 100 games. That's just it's just too bad that yeah, he could not stay healthy. It really is. Two-time All-Star, of course, the 1990 World Series champ. We don't talk about that. He won a home run derby in his time. Three-time Gold Glover, two-time Silver Slugger. 1989, good news for you. He was an All-Star this year. Also won a Gold Glove. So that's the whole point of war right off the bat. Let's see. For that season, 34 home runs, 101 RBI, 21 stolen bases, 281 batting average, 367 on base, a 153 OPS plus, and that is going to equal a 2.9. That seems low to me. Yeah, it does. I mean, those are some good numbers. Yeah, but I mean, he's a he's a great defender too. But that seems pretty low. Two point nine. Uh, we mentioned an all-star and a gold glove, so that's a whole point. So that's 3.9. Now, unfortunately for you, clean-shaven in this picture. He usually had a little mustache. But his, he, you remember his batting stance, his arms were, or his hands were down by his waist. Yes. He used to wear those uh, caricature armbands, sweatbands, but you can't oh, see yeah. them here because it's oh. too low. So uh, that'll oh. still start you out at 3.9, which I'll is. Take, I'll take that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to go. All right, next, uh, oh, you always get him, and it's a good thing because he's one of your boys, catcher for the Angels, Bob Boone. <laughs> yes, uh, I still have a, a, a lot of respect and admiration for Bob. He was, uh, I got to work with him two years, and he's just he just has a, a commanding presence and, and a leadership uh, about him. Um, just, just a good guy, and uh, he could play some baseball too. Managed as well, uh, both in the minors and the big leagues, you said, with the, his leadership. Four-time All-Star, seven-time Gold Glove, won a World Series with the Phillies in 1980. 19 years overall behind the plate. His That's knees, a lot of catching. Man, those knees. <laughs> uh, let's see, 1989, his second to last year, still at the age of 41, caught 131 games for the Royals. Amazing. And he hit 274 with a 351 on base. Only one home run, 43 RBIs, three stolen bases. Wow. Caught, caught twice, but how many stolen bases do you think he had in his career? 42. 38. That yeah, was close. Yeah. How many caught stealing do you think he had? 42. 50. <laughs> <laughs> I was close again. Yeah. Uh, all this equals a 92 OPS plus, and that is a 2.4 war. So wow. a 41-year-old catcher, Bob Boone, was equal to Eric Davis this year. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm buying that either, but uh, nothing else on this card is going to help you out. That'll be a 2.4. That'll take you up to 6.3. Not bad. Uh, your next card is uh, a guy that really an unfortunate name for a pitcher, but uh, I think he pitched for quite a while, and he's got real stirrups here. It's uh, for the Bucks, Bob Walk. Oh yeah, Bob Walk. Interesting uh, pitcher name, like you said, ranks up there with Grant Balfour. Yeah, if, if think if you were reading off a roster and Grant Balfour and Bob Walk, and uh, you read them off, Balfour Walk. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or Tony Wild Pitch. Remember him. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. Me neither. But uh, I do remember Steve Balk. No? <laughs> All right. I don't remember him. <laughs> Let's see. Bob Walk, uh, also a member, a Bob Boone teammate of that Phillies team in 80. That mm. was his rookie year. He went 11-7 and seven as a rookie. Not bad. But uh, Bob Walk, uh, 14 years overall in the big leagues, 105-81 and 81 overall. In 1989, he went 13-10 for the Bucks, 4.41 ERA, 196 innings, struck out 83, had a 76 
ERA plus, and that is going to be a minus 1.2. Ouch. Yikes. He does have real stirrups on, though, so that'll only be a minus 1.1, but yikes, that's that's rough. Uh, I think he's a broadcaster now for the for the Bucks. If I'm, he is. He had actually uh, he had a stadium giveaway bobblehead in 07. <laughs> do you do you own this? Like that's that's <laughs> no. very specific knowledge to know. <laughs> no, no, I just happened to run across that. Oh well, his nickname was the Whirly Bird. Okay. I don't. I I mean, he's got a lot of lettuce coming out of his uh, his his hat here. So I I don't know. I don't remember his uh, his motion as being that weird but regardless all right next uh we've got a guy here i we've talked about him recently steve bouchel here with the rangers third baseman i remember because he is a college roommate of uh john elway from stanford oh okay all right boo his nickname was boo i would have gone with boo boo or -hmm. maybe that's just what the opposing players might have said about him i don't know Uh, 11 years in the big leagues most of it with texas eight years with texas in 1989 never an all-star steve bouchel kind of interesting i you would have thought he would have like backed into you know being a replacement at some point maybe once or twice yeah yeah let's see 16 home runs 59 rbi one stolen base three caught stealing just staple him to the bag of his 11 years in the big leagues, there was only one season where he stole more than he was caught. That's not good. Uh, 235 <laughs> average, 294 on base, and 89 OPS plus. Uh, still had a positive 1.0 war. Nothing else on this card, though, is going to help you out. But, uh, I mean, I, I guess it's better than Bob Walk's numbers. Well, yeah. Hopefully everybody with the rest of the pack is better than Bob Walk's numbers. All right. So next you've got a Blue Jay. Wow. This might have to be a, a, a rule in the in the future. He is wearing his uh, his hat underneath his batting helmet here at the plate. Mm, that, interesting. You don't see that anymore. No. He might have no flaps on, but I can't see because he's a left-handed batter. But this is taken <laughs> from the, uh, the third base dugout, so I can't see. But uh, it is Lloyd Mosby of the Blue Jays. Lloyd Mosby, yes. Um, center fielder, I believe. Uh, the card says outfielder, but I am going to guess that uh, you are correct. A lot of eights here in baseball reference. Uh, this was one of uh, one of Ricky's guys. Uh, grew up with Ricky Henderson in Oakland. Uh, let's see, went to, it says Oakland High School. I'm not sure. I, I know a couple of the high schools. Of course, Oakland Tech is where Ricky went. One-time All-Star, won a Silver Slugger. Nickname was Shaker. A decent hmm. nickname. 12 years in the big leagues. Wow. 1984, he had a Ryan Sandberg, like 15 triples to lead the league. Never hit double digits in triples again. Uh, triples again, becoming a weird anomaly stat wise. Yeah, just I don't know how you how you juice a ball or a player to target triples. But MLB figured out how to do it for one year. Uh, 1989. Uh, he was 29 years old last year with the Blue Jays, hit 221, 11 home runs, 43 RBI, 24 stolen bases, only caught seven times, 89 OPS plus, and that is good for a 1.4. Nothing else on this card is going to help you out, though. Keeping it positive, 1.4. Yeah, we, we like to do that on this podcast. Keep it positive. Kind of interesting, uh, kind of an interesting little note. Um, this Oakland native uh, in 2018 was inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> we figured out his nickname, Shaker, his ability to shake players when he was playing basketball. Oh, okay. 
So that's uh, like interesting. Uh, he was part of the original Killer Bees outfield in the 80s yes. for the Jays. You had Bell, uh, George Bell, Jesse Barfield, and uh, Lloyd Mosby. <laughs> yeah, Lloyd Mosby, apparently. Very similar to the being inducted into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, the other Killer Bees, Bregman... Bagwell and Biggio had bees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also went over and played a couple of years for the Yamayuri Giants, where he had one really good year in 92 and then only played part of 93 and didn't have such a good year. But <laughs> Lloyd Bosby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, you have got a guy that was really dominant. I don't know if he was dominant in 89 yet. Uh, here with the Reds, it is John Franco. Oh, yeah, Don Franco had some saves. But I don't think he did at this point because he was he not, not have, yeah. He was not in the back end of the bullpen for the Reds. Right. Uh, let's see. In 1989, good news for you, all-star year. Nice. And apparently he was uh, at the back end of the bullpen for the Reds this year because he had 32 saves. I would have yeah, thought the Nasky yeah. boys would have been pitching that part of the game, but I guess not. Uh, let's see, all-star, four and eight in his last year for Cincinnati before going over to the Mets, where, of course, he had a great career there. 3.12 ERA, as I said, 32 saves, 60 strikeouts in 80-plus innings, a 116 ERA plus, and that equals a .7 war. What's going okay. on with the war in, in, in 1989? I don't... I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah, but uh, he was an all-star, so that'll bump you up to 1.2. Nothing else on this card is going to help you out there for John Franco. John Franco, um, I, have, I have a soft spot for John because his father, just like my father, was a garbage man. He was in, in Brooklyn, right? I think he yes, was a, I believe so. a New York native. Yep. Well, this answers part of my question as to why he was closing games. To get from the Reds to the Mets, he was traded for Randy Myers. So I guess the okay. full bad yeah. boy group had not been put together yet there in 89. You, you see, one of the few captains of the New York Mets, he and Keith Hernandez. Huh. All right, your next card. Your, I think this one will probably get you some good points. Uh, third baseman for the New York Mets. Wow, he's got a lot going on on his face, too. It's Hojo. Okay. Howard Johnson. He has some great hotels, that guy. And diners, too. The last the last diner just closed. Let's see. Howard Johnson. He played for 14 years in the big leagues. 1989, he was an all-star. Very nice. Of course, he won two World Series. You think of the one, obviously, with the Mets in 1986, but he was on the Tigers in 1984 as well. Won oh, a World Series there. Yeah, came up with the Tigers first three years, 82 through 84 in Detroit. 89 as an all-star, led the league in runs scored, hit 287, 36 bombs, 101 ribs, 41 stolen bases, only caught eight times. Wow. That is a great number there. 287 average, 369 on base, a 169 OPS plus. I think you're going to like this. That is a war of 6.9. Woo, wow. Wow. Plus he was an all-star. So that is 7.4. If we look at this card, he has got real stirrups. Oh, he has man. got eye black. He has got a mustache. Uh, I think that's just a team logo on his sweatbands. But that is an extra three-tenths of a point. So that will be a 7.7 for Hojo. That is one of the highest scores I've ever gotten. That is. That is a great score. For, wow. uh, how I mean, he had some really great years. 
All right. Well, uh, continuing on your New York Mets uh, streak here, let's talk bad about this guy. It's Lenny Dykstra. Oh, do, do not talk list. Uh, list. Yeah, I think we'll just uh, we'll just look at his numbers. There you go. <laughs> uh, nails. Let's see. Twelve years in the big leagues. Most of it with Philadelphia. Eight years with the Phillies. Five with the Mets, who he came up with. 1989 was his first year. Or no, uh, 1989, he split between the Mets and the Phillies. Ended up hitting 237, seven home runs, 32 RBI. He did have 30 stolen bases, a 95 OPS plus, and a war of 2.4. Uh, okay. He, did, he does have real stirrups on as well. So that'll be a 2.5 for you. I would have expected nothing different. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it's very productive. Yeah on the field years uh, traded by the Mets with Roger McDowell to the Phillies for Juan Samuel. Mm. Wow. Roger McDowell and, and nails for Juan Samuel. That seems like a, yeah, that's interesting, interesting trade, but back in the now, day, aren't there some like uh, some rules in wax facts heroes that never really come out. Like I think you get points if your player was arrested for grand theft auto Drug possession, indecent exposure, or bankruptcy fraud. No, that's all if you play Grand Theft Auto and do that, which I, uh, we have no... Uh, okay. So I don't get any points for the uh, criminal record? No. no <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're definitely not giving positive points for <laughs> illegal activities here. All right. So you're at 19, point, uh, 19 even. You've got two cards left. Here is a member of the Reds. It is second baseman Jeff Treadway. Boy, I... I barely remember Jeff Treadway, but I remember him. He was on Atlanta too. Uh, let's I see. I feel like, I feel like I remember him as an Indian, but, uh, uh he was n- on sure. Cleveland for one year. No, that's funny. But, uh, yeah, I remember from Atlanta cause he was a part of those Atlanta teams when they first, you know, started going to the playoffs every year in the, right. in the early nineties. Uh, Jeff Treadway, nine years in the big leagues four in Atlanta, and then also played for the Dodgers, the Reds, the Expos, and Cleveland in 1989. It was his first year in Atlanta. He hit 277, had eight home runs, 40 RBI, and a 97 OPS plus. And that equals a war of 1.9. Uh, nothing else on this card is going to help you out. So that'll just be a 1.9. I'm happy to get 1.9 out of Treadway. Uh, yeah, better than Bob Walk. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Treadway pulled off the hidden ball trick twice in his career. Uh, does it say on who? Nope. It wasn't me. I can tell you that. I hope it wasn't the same player both times. Oh, God, that would be interesting. All right, so you're down to your final card. Oh, boy, I think this one's going to be a good one for you. All right. Uh, you got a lot of players from the same teams here. you got another Blue Jay, but it is sporting a, a good mustache, probably not a two-tenths of a point mustache, but it is 80s and 90s dominant pitcher. It's Dave Steeb. Oh, man, I like Dave Steeb. Let's see. Dave Steeb, David Andrew Steeb, played for 16 years in the big leagues, 15 of it with the Blue Jays, one lone season in 1993 where he only appeared in four games for the White Sox before not playing for four more years, and then he came back at age 40 in 1998 with the Blue Jays and appeared in 19 games. And actually didn't do that bad. But in 1989, 17-8, and not an all-star, 3.34 ERA. (laughs) 
three complete games, two shutouts, 206 plus innings, led the league and hit batters. He led the league in hitting batters five times in his career. Not afraid to pitch inside. 101 strikeouts, a 109 ERA plus, and that equals a war of 3.3. Plus the mustache will be a 3.4. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's not too bad there for David Andrew Steeb. Dave Steeb, the Santa Ana native, also inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, I can see that one. I mean, he pitched his whole career just about there. A lot of... Close no hitters that were lost in the ninth inning. Like if you just knew if if he had a no hitter going to the ninth, chances are somebody's going to get a hit then. <laughs> uh, the brushback pitch, an integral part of his repertoire, which does not surprise me, leading the league and hit batsmen that many times. <laughs> and uh, his uh, curveball was described as a dead fish that was okay. nonetheless very effective. Yes. Oh, I like this. His uh, his. Memoir. His autobiography was entitled Tomorrow I'll Be Perfect. <laughs> but that was released in 1986. Like, that seems awfully early in his career to be releasing an autobiography. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really right in the dead center of his career, but nonetheless. All right, so you've got a 24.3. Now, your last total last week was 24.1. So mm. we'll see if that's... How beatable that is here as I open up my pack of 1991 Donruss. Are those the yellow ones? Uh, no, these are green. Oh, okay. They're they're ugh. the 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 front is greenish. The back is mint. I think the yellow ones are Fleer. Yeah, Fleer was uh, definitely yellow. All right, uh, let's see. I got to lose how many cards are in here? Fifteen. Uh, I'm gonna lose the top five like you did. Uh, let's see. I'm going to lose Jeff Gray, uh, all-star Ryan Sandberg. That's wonderful. Uh-oh. Brady Anderson, very skinny Brady Anderson. That might not be that bad. Uh, Vicente Palacios with the Bucks, And Teddy Hagera. Teddy Hagera wouldn't have been bad, but the Hall of Famer yeah, Sandberg. The, the Rhino is going to be the one that hurts there. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm going to start off here with a White Sox. It's Ken Patterson. Ken Patterson, the boxer. Yeah, that uh, that is him uh, beyond his boxing career. Also spent seven years in the big leagues, four with the White Sox, then a couple with the Angels and with the Cubs. In 1991, he went 3-0 with a 2.83 ERA in 43 games. This, I I have to assume he was setting up like Thigpen at this point. Right, uh, One save, 63 innings, 32 strikeouts, a 142 ERA plus. And that is good for an even 1.0 war for the middle reliever. Well, if you're only on 1.0, I might be able to pull this off. Well, yeah. Um, war isn't particularly, you know, set up for middle relievers. Uh, but in true. 92, he was traded with Sammy Sosa to the Cubs for George Bell. Huh. So uh, well, that, that's, that's something to hang your hat on there. Traded with Sosa. Interesting. All right. Next, I have got, I remember this guy. I liked this guy. I have not thought of him for a good hot minute. Outfielder for the Padres, Thomas Howard. Wow. Yeah, I have not thought of Thomas Howard in forever. I'm going to guess he's not going to get me a whole lot of points. Let's see. Thomas Howard played for, wow, he played for 11 years in the big leagues. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, Played most of it, well, not most of it, but four with Cincinnati, three with the Padres, two in Cleveland, St. Louis, L.A., and Houston. 
1991. It was his second year in the big leagues. Appeared in 106 games, hit 249, four home runs, 22 RBI, 10 stolen bases. He was caught seven times. A OPS plus of 85. And that's good for a war of 1.8. He does have a mustache, which will help me out. So that'll be a 1.9. For some reason, I thought he was on Atlanta, but uh, I think I probably remember him from Cincinnati. Mm, Yeah. Oh, he hit the first Grand Slam in Minute Maid Park history in uh, the year 2000. So he's got that going for him. So you're familiar with the website 538. Dot com. They do all the, yes. I mean, during presidential elections, they, they do all the, the predictions. All the and odds, stuff. yeah. But they, they, they are, I, the, the guy that, was, that started it was from ESPN. In May of 2000, the website, not that day, but they've, the, the game that was played on that day, they've calculated that Thomas Howard hit the most insulting home run to the other team in Major League history. Okay. <laughs> the Cardinals were playing the Pirates. It was 15-3 to in the top of the ninth. Howard came to the plate against Keith Osick, who was a catcher but was on the mound pitching. Uh, the uh, The count was 3-0 and to Thomas Howard. And in a blowout with a non-pitcher pitching and a 3-0 and pitch, you know what baseball's unwritten rules say. Yeah, you best, you, you, best, you best just watch that pitch go by. Well, he didn't, and he hit a three. Uh, he had a three zero home run. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, that was. Uh, but it says here no mention in any news coverage of this happened. <laughs> Nobody cared back then. People weren't <laughs> as upset. All right, next I have got a catcher for the New York Mets. I believe he's a legacy player. It's Todd Hundley. Hundley was a pretty good catcher. He is the son of Randy Hundley, so yeah, legacy guy. 14 years in the big leagues, uh, nine with the Mets, three in L.A., and then two with the Cubs. In 1991, it was only his second year in baseball, only 21 games, a 133 average, 24 OPS plus, and a war of minus .4. I don't care for that much. No, that's not what you were looking for. No, overall. He didn't hit him later in his career. Yeah, 96 and 97 with the Mets. He was an all-star back-to-back years. Had some had some good years behind the plate. You know, we haven't gotten either a Dodger or a Giant in this oh, we game. Haven't. All right, I got another uh, White Sox pitcher. This time it's Barry Jones. Barry Jones. It's uh, Barry Louis Jones or Lewis. I don't know. How. It's a weird. That's a weird name. Like half the people pronounce it Louis, half the pronounce it Lewis. Let's make a you know, pick a lane here. Uh, 1991, he was actually with the Expos. Led the league in games uh, appeared in with 77. 4-9 record, 3.34 ERA. Had 13 saves in 88-plus innings. Struck out 46 for a 110 ERA+. Plus. And that equals a war of 0.9. He does, yes, he does have real stirrups and a mustache here. So that'll be a 1.1. I seem to be averaging like right around yeah. one, which is going to get me a 10, which is. I not, believe I predicted that. Yeah, that's that's not going to help me. He was uh, traded with Yvonne Calderon when he went to the Expos for Tim Raines. Wow. Yvonne bubbling Calderon. All right. Oh, well. We, I, I said we don't have a Giant or a Dodger, but I got a Dodger. And that's good news for me because that's my team. I haven't heard this name maybe since 1991. Oh, this is a rookie card, so I'm sure this is going to be valuable and helpful. Pitcher Jim Needlinger. Jim Needlinger. I remember that guy. Oh, is it Needlinger? I, that's how I always heard it pronounced. 
Well, he's got a mustache. I, 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 he's got that going for him. No pronunciation here in baseball reference. And actually, uh, <laughs> I said probably not going to be helpful. Uh, 1990 no. was his only year in the big leagues. Yeah. So they, very unhelpful. He went five and three with a 3.2 AD ERA. I have to assume he got injured and just never made it back. It has to be because his whip was 1.108. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he had a good year. Those, yeah, I mean, that's that's a very impressive year. Uh, let's see, in '92, let's see, in '92, he he played looks like a full season in Albuquerque, and huh. then '93 and '94 he spent in in Triple and Double A. He didn't play elsewhere, like he didn't play overseas or in Mexico or anything. I. Hmm. Yeah, there's just no information. So if you have any information about Jim Neidlinger, please let us know. Have him call us. Yeah. yeah. I only remember him because my buddy Jason was a huge Dodgers fan, and he was collecting his cards all, all one year. <laughs> well, you know what? I did get .6 out of that because he got a mustache yeah. and he's on the Dodgers. So uh, I got a Hall of Famer. Uh-oh. Yeah, and he's a Mariner. Oh, boy. He was only well, a Mariner. There was, well, then I know who it is. Yeah, it's Edgar. Oh, nice. Edgar Martinez. Let's see. Gar or Poppy? I never heard anyone call him Poppy, but, hmm. you know, wasn't really around him that much. Uh, let's see. 18 years in the big leagues. Every single one of those at-bats with the Seattle Mariners. 1991. One year shy of his first all-star appearance. Uh, he did finish the season. He hit 307, 14 home runs, 52 RBI, zero stolen bases, three caught stealing. Yeah, that's Edgar, all right. Boy, the next year, though, he stole 14 and was caught only four times. How did that happen? What in the world? Was he on the back end of, of double steals with, like, that Griffey in front yeah. of him or something? Yeah, like 14 times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then those four times, the catcher actually threw behind Griffey and nailed Edgar. <laughs> yes. Uh, I like this. He walked 84 times, only struck out 72 times. Edgar only struck out 100-plus times once in his entire career, and that was in his final year at age 41. Wow. That is impressive. Pretty good hitter. Yeah, Lifetime walked uh, 1,283 times, struck out 1,202. Very nice. Wow. Uh, 405 on base, a 138 OPS plus. For his career, a 418 on base. That's higher than Ricky. Wow. That's impressive. Let's see. All of this equals a war of 6.1. Plus he's a Hall Whoa. of Famer, so that's 7.1. Uh, he does have real stirrups on here, so that'll be a 7.2. Wow. And he's got eye black. I like that. So that's 7.3. Edgar, why you do this to me, man? I've been pulling for you forever. <laughs> that'll take me up to 11.5. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Wow. Wow. Taught himself how to speak English and how to use computers. Wow. Of course, cousin of one of my favorites, Carmelo Martinez. So while b before he was scouted and signed he was playing semi-professional baseball as well as working as a supervisor in a furniture store during the day and in a ge factory at night huh he missed a tryout apparently after a long night of working at the factory and he was so tired he couldn't swing the bat oh man that is very impressive i mean this dude worked his rear end off yeah he you know and he he was very much known for being a very hard working 
uh, hitter. And, and this, some of the cool things he did was like one of my favorites was he would write numbers on baseballs and then stand at the plate and have a pitching machine throw it. And he would try to read the number off the baseball. Wow. That's some Ted Williams <laughs> Isn't that, type stuff. I always there. loved that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. All right. I have got a rated rookie here from the Montreal Expos. Uh, I'm not sure if he went on to do much because I'm not familiar with Brian Barnes. Yeah, he was definitely a rated rookie. He wasn't rated that high, but he was rated. Let's see. Uh, we're going to have to type in baseball when we search for him. So that tells you one thing right there. Brian Barnes pitched five years in the big leagues, four with the Expos, and then split 94 his final season with L.A. and Cleveland. 91, he went 5-8 and eight with a 4.22 ERA. He started 27 games, 160 innings, 117 strikeouts, and an 87 ERA plus, and that equals a war of positive 0.4. Uh, nothing else on this card is going to help me out. That Edgar card is really the only thing that's keeping me in this game. Yeah, this is true. All right, so I have got uh, three cards left here. <laughs> now, this is uh, very apropos of our show next week when we're going to talk about one season wonders. Here I have with the New York Yankees, none other than Kevin No Moss. Very nice. All right. So Kevin Moss uh, did not have a long career in the big leagues. Uh, five years, four with the Yankees. Came up as a rookie in 1990. He hit the 21 home runs in 79 games. 91, he hit 23 home runs as well, but that was over 148 games. 23 home runs, 63 RBI, uh, struck out a lot, hit 220, and had a 100 OPS plus, so right at the league average. All of that equals a war of 0.8. He does have real stirrups, and he does have eye black. So uh, that'll take me to uh, right on average at one even. Another one. Yeah. Um, let's see. Also went on to play in Japan for the Hanshin Tigers for half a season. Hit eight home runs. Didn't do much there. And you know what? I don't want to give away too much about uh, uh, too much about Kevin Moss. So just turn tune in next week. When yes. we'll, we'll cover Kevin Moss a bit more. That takes me up to 12.9 with two cards left. This one, you know what? I'm probably going to say not going to help me a whole lot in 1991. Uh, but he does have a good mustache going here. It is with the Dodgers. I guess that's my team, so that'll that'll help me out here. It's mm. Kirk Gibson. Oh, yes. Uh, one of your nemesis. Yes. One of the uh, most famous World Series home runs ever. Gibby. Also holder of a world record at one point for flying the highest in a personal airplane, I guess it was during spring training. Uh, 17 years in the big leagues, 12 with Detroit, three with L.A., and then one year with both the Royals and the Pirates. 1991, it was that one year with the Royals. He only hit 236, 16 home runs, 55 RBI. Still, at the age of 34 with those knees, stole 84 bases. That's pretty impressive right there. Wow. 236, 341 on base. That's uh, pretty good. 106 OPS plus. And all of that equals a war of 0.7. Uh, the mustache will get me to 0.8. And pretty much, again, right on par <laughs> with my uh, with 0.1 or my one average. There it is again. Yeah. All right. We've we've covered Kurt Gibson quite a bit here with uh, with his personal stuff. So we'll just get to my last card. I am trailing you by about 11 points, which uh, even your your um, 
your Hojo card did not uh, amount that much. Uh, I have from the Milwaukee Brewers kit- kitchen pitcher Kevin Brown. I don't remember him having a 12 point war year. I don't think he had a 12 point war career. Because <laughs> uh, this is not the Kevin Brown. This is not, uh, you know, uh, Ranger Dodger Kevin Brown. Going to really have to dig to find what's his middle name. So Kevin Brown played for three years in the big leagues. Again, this is Kevin Dwayne Brown. Uh, let's see. In 1990 with the Brewers, he went two and four with a 5.51 ERA, 63 plus innings, 30 strikeouts, a 73 ERA plus and a war of 0.0. His career war was 0.5. So I'm going to get nothing, and I am going to end up at 13.7, and uh, that's going to snap my win streak. That sucks. Well, you know, it's it's good to get one under our belt again. We need to build up some confidence over here. Oh, uh, yeah, now, hold on a minute here, because uh, what I did forget to mention is that he played his final year with the Mariners. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, there's some points. There's an extra tenth of a point. It will not, however, matter, as uh, you will take the victory, and uh, that'll move you up to four. I'm still at six, but that was my longest uh, win streak, I think, ever. Yeah, that was, we, we had to finally scrape one out, or we were going to lose complete confidence. All right, so that's going to wrap up this episode of Wax Packs Heroes. That'll also wrap up this episode of Two Strike Noise. If you want more of us, you can find us on the internet. So we're all over the place. You can find us at Two Strike Noise, at TWO Strike Noise, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch, YouTube, all those places. We also perfectly and vigorously curate a uh, email address that Mark likes to talk about. Yeah, you can talk to us at Two Strike Noise, spell it out, T-W-O, Strike Noise, at gmail.com. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Hope everybody enjoys their all-star break. And uh, we'll see you again next week on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye.